Welcome to the Configure Price Code podcast. My name is Frank Sohn and I'm the founder of NoCPQ Consulting. This podcast is 100% focused on Configure Price Code, also known as CPQ, and will provide you useful insights into this topic. My guest today is Daniel Wagner. Daniel is the head of sales configuration, pricing and quoting at Siemens and he is based in Germany. A key part of his role as CPQ IT lead is to manage and enable the digitalization of the Siemens sales team globally. In his current role, he leads an international team based in Germany, Switzerland, the US and India. Welcome, Daniel, to the CPQ podcast. Thank you, Frank, for having me on your podcast. Hello from Germany to you in the US and to all the listeners outside. Daniel, we're very excited to have you and to get a good perspective also from a customer uh, point of view. Now, tell our listeners, please, a little bit more about yourself and what you did before you joined Siemens. All right. I'm Daniel Wagner. I'm 37 years old, passionate about digitalizing sales processes with IT solutions in a globally acting company, which is Siemens. Funny fact to start with, Frank. Uh, in IT, we are, of course, working a lot with offshore partners, especially in India. To understand India a little bit better, I participated uh, in an exchange program for young professionals uh, organized by the Rotary Foundation. While the time in India, especially uh, I was traveling to Calcutta, was amazing and full of learning, my first real offshore experience in India also included being a passenger on a sinking boat on a distributory of the Ganges River. <laughs> that, that's interesting. So already prepares you for some projects, I guess. So for <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So managing turbulent situations, being part of turbulent situations is what I experienced back then. So uh, we were invited to take a nice little boat tour with our hosts. And due to the low tide, the hull of the boat was damaged, which unfortunately was not discovered when we started the trip. So after five or ten minutes on this really huge river, the engine stopped working because a huge stream of water entered the boat where the hull was damaged. So people started to panic, really, um, because on the way to this nice trip, on the car ride to this nice trip, our hosts made fun of us uh, regarding not to get too close to the water. And the reason for this was because the Bengal tiger, who swims in those rivers, also enjoys eating humans. So <laughs> no need to mention how we felt. And um, a boy, probably age 15, jumped off the boat and dove underneath the hull and somehow got the engine back up running. So the boat could reach the shore. And after a 30 minutes walk through water and mud, we, uh, we rescued ourselves from the Bengal tiger. <laughs> so that was my first real offshore experience. Wow, that that's I mean that's a story that uh, probably nobody will forget. So now I hope all your experience in India haven't been that traumatic. So because part of your team is also based in India, right? So I hope that <laughs> yeah. your recent trips were a little bit less exciting. But let's go back and look at some other interesting things you have done. You spent some time in the United Arab Emirates in Mexico. You played in a rock band. If you look back at it, what was the most interesting thing you have done? You know, um, since I joined Siemens, I'm in the CRM, CPQ sales field, and all my assignments were somehow sales related, sales and IT related. So digitalization of sales is my topics, uh, 
and uh, the various jobs I had took me to many countries uh, around the globe. So uh, if you look at Mexico, uh, we automated the project controlling and we replaced some Excel mania in the, and in the UAE, which was a, a super fantastic experience. I was delegated to a power plant construction site in the middle of nowhere. So in the, in the desert between Abu Dhabi and Dubai in a construction site container. And this certainly was one of the most fascinating experiences inside uh, my company, Siemens. The, uh, the team spirit, the number of uh, young colleagues all contributing to one joint mission of uh, setting up that power power plant and get it uh, up and running. But let me ask one question. Was it really your intent from the beginning to get into this configure price quote area or how, how did you get started with that? <laughs> At the time when I started in Siemens, I think CPQ as, a, as an industry term was not really that popular or famous or maybe not even widespread. So certainly it was not my plan to, uh, to get to CPQ uh, when I started. But uh, you know how things go. You develop expertise in a certain area and, and then you go to the next assignment, you, you do the next project, you get the next internal customer and, and things develop. And let me ask one question here. When you got started with CPQ, was there any internal training program or a subject matter expert that you could work with? So how do you learn about CPQ? That's especially, uh, I think, a relevant question for the listeners of this podcast. I think uh, the answer is simple. You need to get your hands dirty. So uh, you can read about CPQ, you can understand what uh, constraint-based configuration means, what pricing, price optimization means in theory, how you do nice quotes. Um, but in order to really experience the field, you need to be on a CPQ project. And, and let me ask one question because you referred to this a little bit earlier. How many CPQ solutions does Siemens have? So I cannot disclose the number of CPQ solutions that we use inside Siemens, but what I can tell you is uh, more than one. <laughs> Now, after you've worked with CPQ solutions for a long time, what is your key takeaway? What should people new to CPQ know before they get started? So first of all, I think the CPQ space, this is for all the listeners out there, is a very attractive niche to be in. Uh, it's a small, like... A relatively small group of experts out there, and and there are there is a significant amount of projects out there. Um, however, what you need to be aware is whenever you implement CPQ in your company, you need to have a very long breath, especially if you want to create something like firm proposals. Your end customer can actually sign. This will take you a good while to get there. The projects in large enterprises um, take a while until they reach the maturity level to be approved and executed. And um, something that you especially need to take care of, that the extraction of knowledge from proposal engineers and from commercials is one of the key success factors of every CPQ project. And to be honest, it can be very cumbersome sometimes. Great point, and thanks for being honest here. Now, what do you consider the most exciting part of being in the CPQ space at this time? 
So most exciting from my perspective is that uh, CPQ by now has really developed into an established term in the IT industries. Also, business leaders know the term by now, and they see huge potential in CPQ projects. As you mentioned, the, the implementation investments are significant as well. And you need a rock-solid business case and the willingness to touch many business processes uh, when you're entering the, the CPQ game. What I, what I think is that traditionally organizations are very focused on ERP, PLM, CRM. Um, in Siemens, I do experience a growing interest in CPQ. It reflects in the numbers of projects that we prepare, execute, and also finish. Um, most challenging, getting back to your question, is certainly staffing of CPQ projects, both uh, internally as well as on the external uh, workbench with our partners. Finding profiles that understand uh, especially the C and the P part, so the configuration and the pricing, is uh, the core challenge of my job. Yep, and I think that's something that we have heard on this podcast and I hear in many discussions with experts as well. It can be challenging to find the right CPQ skills at the right time. Now, I have a question about your team. What's the biggest challenge for you to lead your team? Do you have regular in-person meetings? How do you ensure the team works together? So certainly I do visit those countries on a regular basis and do spend face time um, with my colleagues. Most challenging certainly is to cope with all the demand out there and to staff our projects, to execute the projects and uh, to work also on the knowledge extraction uh, from business, especially when it comes to uh, configuration and pricing. We are a distributed team. We work a lot with uh, virtual collaboration tools. In fact, I think by now we enjoy also using those tools um, because it gives us uh, also some additional freedom uh, when it comes to, to the way we work, when we work, where we work. So we, uh, we foster mobile working. Um, so all the collaboration tools out there do help us get the job done. Then let's uh, focus a little bit more on your team at Siemens, right? So you're working on the IT side, so I expect that you have a counterpart on the business uh, side. Tell us a little bit more about what, what your team does concerning configure price and quote. So we do operate along three pillars, Frank. We operate in consulting, we operate in projects, and of course we do IT operations to basically keep the lights burning. In consulting, uh, we are a good partner to our colleagues in the business because we have a very good market overview and we do have an excellent domain knowledge. So we can support projects, especially in the um, early phase where people have heard about CPQ and that it's great to implement CPQ because uh, you can reduce your quote cycle time, you can improve your margins and stuff like that. But they typically, uh, our colleagues in business, they do a CPQ project once or twice in their life while we do uh, nothing else than uh, CPQ projects and operations. So this is the consulting part. Then, of course, projects. We do get into the projects. We are part of the projects with our um, team members. And we are also working a lot with uh, offshore and outsourcing partners. 
And on the operation side, um, we help to keep the lights burning. We run and maintain IT services so our business co colleagues can focus on what is most important, and this is FaceTime with their customers. And, and where does your team support the use of these CPQ tools, right? Are there any business units that you can mention here? So we use CPQ in our product business, in our system business, all the way up to our complex solution business. So uh, if you read the, uh, the online press, we use CPQ for medical equipment, we use it for switch gears, for building technology, turbines, service programs for power plants, and even for 3D-based power plant configurators. So the and the important takeaway I think for for the listeners is um, with CPQ we are able to deliver customer proposals faster. We are enabling workflows across countries and different departments, which is especially relevant to uh, enterprises which are multinational, multi-levels in sales. We can improve the pricing, and with the 3D models. That to me is the next level of CPQ or a very nice addition to the traditional CPQ space. Uh, we can really offer our customers to experience our products, uh, systems and solutions before making the buying decision. Excellent. And can you tell us how many CPQ users you support? The, the range of people we are supporting is in the thousands. Excellent. Now, as you mentioned, so you also have this consulting arm over here and you help your internal customers to, to select, I guess, also CPQ solutions. So what do you recommend them uh, that they should do before they uh, decide to use one or the other solution? So first of all, I'll st I'd strongly recommend to make sure that the company's executives are ready for such a project. It's, as we discussed earlier, a significant invest. It also, it's certainly not done within a three-month period. And there is a significant payback, but you have to be patient a little bit. In the C of CPQ, the configuration, you need to ensure the availability of your technical experts and prepare them mentally to share their knowledge, like the, the rules, the constraints and facts, all the nice things you need for a configurator. Some of them, they will be afraid that C the introduction of CPQ takes away their job, for example, as a proposal engineer. So make sure to convey the message that CPQ will free up their valuable time for even higher qualified tasks. Where in the, uh, if we go to the P of CPQ, I would strongly recommend to look into simplification of your company's pricing before starting the implementation of CPQ. Um, I experienced it frequently that during the implementation of CPQ, uh, you really go into the details of pricing because you, you will, like, you will use those prices on your customer proposals. And then you need to figure out how those prices are uh, created. And um, especially in companies with a long heritage, a long history, um, pricing can really be sophisticated. So simplifying pricing helps you to reduce implementation efforts when you're in the project. And on, also understand that CPQ solutions on the market, they have different strengths. 
um, you need to be clear and consult with uh, experts what are the pros and cons of those applications. Also, uh, with regards to the provisioning model, like, will you be going SaaS? Is your management ready for standardization and simplification, which is a prerequisite for SaaS? Or are they not? So you better think twice. Learn more about CPQ today. We have two offerings you probably want to know about. First, we have a free resource, our CPQ Circle Community, which offers CPQ knowledge, CPQ-specific industry knowledge, and CPQ-specific best practices, as well as CPQ job opportunities. Leading CPQ firms, system integrators, thought leaders, customers, and researchers add content here. Check it out today at www.novocpq.com. Go to Resources and then select CPQ Circle Community. Second, we have a paid monthly subscription that keeps you up to date with the global CPQ market. If you are a CPQ vendor, system integrator or a large customer with multiple CPQ systems, you don't want to miss this. Go to www.novocpq.com, look for services and select subscriptions to learn more. What are the biggest challenges you typically encounter in your CPQ projects and what do you suggest uh, our listeners can do to prevent these challenges? But typically, when you like ask for project funding, your CPQ project competes with other uh, major projects for the same budget, like improvements in ERP, PLM, BI, artificial intelligence, you name it. The business case for CPQ doesn't pay back within the first, let's say, 12 months. And um, you as a project manager, you need to be aware um, that you will be busy with that project for quite some time. Also, the, the executives need to um, be educated that when, it, that when it comes to payback period, we need to be a little bit uh, more patient. CPQ is a long-term investment with significant financial benefit for companies. And as I mentioned earlier, this sometimes conflicts with the rather short-term focused financial targets of companies. Also, the availability of key experts, both on business and IT side, is uh, something that I would recommend to carefully uh, um, observe and manage. And pricing complexity. This can really mess up your project. So I would advise to, um, to really look deep into the pricing uh, and also on the C side to, uh, to look into modularity of your um, products and systems. And the next one is really, where do you get the most benefits from right now? I mean, is that standard CPQ capabilities or the more newer advanced CPQ capabilities that or that capabilities that are added to CPQ like artificial intelligence, price optimization and IoT? I think we can still harvest a lot of value uh, with the traditional CPQ solutions. Uh, CPQ, uh, a CPQ project introduction is far more than just another IT project. It's uh, foremost in a business project. You get clarity on your product portfolio, on your pricing structure, 
on the way you do your quotes to your customers and your internal approval workflows. So there is a lot to harvest in the traditional CPQ space. When it comes to the fancy new stuff, which I which I love to be in and talk about, it's, uh, from my perspective, the integration with e-commerce that is gaining significant importance. So we have to enable our customers to use our CPQ solutions from outside, so making them available on the internet and uh, integrating them seamlessly into our e-commerce solutions and uh, then into order processing and into our backend systems. Also, um, what we established is we are bridging the last mile to the customer with online proposals. So we don't send PDFs anymore, but we send uh, links to an online platform where um, customers can collaborate with us. They always have the latest revision of the proposal and they can digitally sign it. So this is what I, what I refer to as the bridging the last mile to the customer, which is uh, a technology that, is, that our sales really enjoys. Also recommendation engines, which helps our sales to upsell and cross-sell is something that I would love to see more in our company. So there are so many nice uh, tools out there that in the that are used in the B2C market. And of course, we all don't know the typical suspects and, and the uh, typical examples. Like uh, you could also like this based on what you have bought before and stuff like that. So um, providing guidance to our sales rep, what they could um, up and cross sell in a particular situation is something that has... Uh, huge benefit hmm. and potential and um, similar price guidance price guidance makes sure that your sales reps achieve appropriate margins in their regional market in a particular customer segment and considering the product life cycle artificial intelligence from my perspective uh, Personal opinion, it seems like a buzzword, and we really need to see how we can benefit from it in the CPQ space. Now, one question I wanted to ask you is related to the selection of a CPQ tool. You mentioned earlier that your team supports various CPQ projects in Siemens, and you help them decide which tool is best for them. What data do you use to make these decisions? Are you using analyst reports like from Gardner Forrester IDC and or online resources like G2 Crowd and Captera? Yeah, so everything you mentioned is in use. So the, the analyst reviews are a great starting point uh, when you're in the middle of a selection process for CPQ. Uh, you need to know the criteria, though, which have been used by the analysts. And I think especially for small, medium enterprises, there are smaller companies on the market which are great, but they don't really show up on the analysts' radars because they simply don't have the, the size. And although analysts do, they do everything they can to define neutral criteria they can apply to each vendor, I think there is still... Uh, a certain uh, influence by by the individual by the individual analyst who does the uh, who does the rating. So to summarize it, uh, considering analyst reviews is great, uh, but we shouldn't follow them uh, blindly. And the G2 Crowd for me is a great platform to to really see what uh, peers think about a certain platform and. 
okay, sometimes it's a little bit uh, a lengthy reading exercise, especially when you are reading about the, the big ones. But it's a very valuable insight because you get opinions from small companies, mid-sized companies, large enterprises. So there is a lot out there that helps you uh, create your opinion. And uh, foremost, I would recommend getting in touch with people who are already in the CPQ space, uh, who have done a couple of CPQ projects. And um, I think Frank and his team are very happy to support you uh, with such kind of exercise. Thanks, Daniel, for that pitch. So that, <laughs> very, very nice. Now, one question I think is interesting for every customer is the maintenance of the CPQ solution, right? So when you look at CPQ solutions, what's the most important thing for you from a maintenance perspective? So if you plan to implement CPQ, you really need to establish a small group of people to keep the system current both from the IT side for the tool itself, as well as from the business side to keep the data current regarding your products, your systems, pricing, proposal templates, your T's and C's, you name it. I would um, recommend to not outsource the content maintenance to your IT department or even worse to externals. From my personal perspective, CPQ is something that belongs to your company's core. Fully agree. And I think over time, you will also save quite some money, right? So when you, when you have the knowledge inside and don't need to ask for external support all the time. So now when you look forward, Daniel, so over the next 12 to, to 18 months, right? What do you expect personally from these next versions of your CPQ solutions? <laughs> That they are easier and cheaper to deploy. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, maybe that's a wish, but sometimes wishes come true, so uh, you need to follow your wishes. So, um, What I think uh, is really simplification of, uh, of um, deployments of CPQ. The CPQ vendors might also think about standardizing their modeling languages and leverage interoperability. This will significantly strengthen the CPQ industry, and it will also reduce TCO for companies using CPQ. So paving the way to CPQ, making it easier for companies to enter the CPQ space is something that I would wish for from the CPQ market. Now, and I think that's an excellent point. And uh, just one question to understand whether it's coming from that also because you're working in M&A within Siemens and see other companies coming into it and then have to transfer these rules uh, across platforms. Yes, certainly that's one aspect, and um, I do compare CPQ to to a marriage. Uh, as soon as you're like, uh, as soon as you made the decision for a specific vendor, and that particular vendor's uh, modeling language, you can never get out. It's impossible to get out. Almost impossible. It comes with a huge cost uh, to to convert rules constraints the way how facts are represented and the change management on the maintenance side is something that is tremendous. So, And this, I think, is not good for the overall CPQ industry. So if you look at uh, like other uh, standards like uh, XML for data exchange, it is very easy for each application, even across different domains, different regions, to collaborate, to interface. 
while in the CPQ space you find yourself sometimes in a silo of uh, regarding how the vendor designed the tool and especially the modeling language. Excellent. Love it. I think that's something to think about for many CPQ vendors. Now, my last question, where do you learn more about CPQ these days? So attending conferences is certainly very important because uh, besides the, uh, the uh, impressive presentations you get there, you do meet the people who are in that space. So being in the CPQ space now since quite some time, I've visited a number of uh, good number of conferences and I'd like to say that many vendors do have great products. And if you want to get familiar with those products and with the market, reach out to independent experts, digest the analyst reviews, which are a great starting point, uh, use Cheat Crowd to get an insight for specific products, and um, uh, the peer reviews will provide you also a nice multidimensional view uh, to a certain solution. And also feel free to get in touch with me. I'm happy to share my experiences, the good ones and also the not so good ones. That's great. What's a good way for listeners to get in contact with you then? Just visit my LinkedIn page and I'm looking forward to having a chat with you. Daniel, thank you very much for being my guest today. Thanks for having me, Frank. I'd like to thank everyone for listening and hope you learned something interesting today. If you like the podcast, please go ahead and rate it on iTunes or share it with your friends and colleagues. In the meantime, you can find us online at www.novocpq.com. So long, everyone.